When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I am Sebastian Teotrio. And I'm Alex Hollingsworth. Welcome to The Hidden Curriculum, a podcast where we talk about all the stuff you didn't learn from graduate school. Welcome, everybody. Hope that you are doing well today. Uh, all right. So to start off, I'm going to continue with this sort of list of uh, dinner party or first date questions that I've been oh, asking okay. Sebastian instead of... Uh, how he's doing because that's getting boring i'm moving my shoulders right now because i like this question so. <laughs> you're getting ready okay all right so sebastian does your current car have a name and if so what is it and why yes oh my gosh good question i love this um so my my car is a red toyota prius from 2016 which is the second car i ever bought um and its name is jojo and there's two reasons why, because I have a friend in grad school who really is into car. His name is Jonah Joanne and shout out to Jonah and Jojo. He, right? jo, exactly. We call him yeah. Jojo. And he, when, his, when I told him that I bought that car, he said, that is an ugly ass car. <laughs> and he basically like necked it. And I was like, well, guess what? It gonna, it's going to have your name because you're ugly too. And now so, he's publicly shamed. And now it's publicly shamed. Exactly. So uh, it kind of like in spite of him. I named him Jojo, but now I think it's really cool and cute. So I, like I love it. it. Yeah. What about you? Have your car name? So my, my car is a Subaru Crosstrek. Its name is Steve. Steve. <laughs> my wife's car is a Crosstrek that we bought afterwards. It's a legacy and it's black and it's like really fancy. So okay. we named it Iggy. For Iggy, Iggy. Okay. Iggy, Z- Iggy Azalea is fancy. <laughs> okay. Oh, duh. That makes yeah. sense. I love that. Awesome. Well, today uh, we're very excited. We're talking with Jermaine Groomson prior prioritizing mental health and physical health during grad school. Jovain is an assistant professor in the Department of Economics at Howard University. She's an applied microeconomist with research areas in the, of interest that lie in the intersection of public economics, health economics, and studies of poverty and inequality. Uh, she's also, I should add, a, a newly added editor of the Ashika newsletter, which I'm very excited that we have her in our team. Jovain, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Well, I'm doing well, hanging in there, you yeah. know, still not adjusted to this new normal, right. but I'm doing well. You're, you're surviving, you know, and yeah, as surviving. we all are, that's great. And thank you guys um, for having me. Yeah, no, we're so excited. So we like to ask our guests to share a fun fact about themselves. Would you mind sharing a fun fact? Yes. So it's a little bit of a long story, but okay. it'll be great. So I grew up in a big family. I'm number fun fact. Right. So I grew up in in a big family in L.A. And for the most part, we're all huge cooking fans, cooking shows. Mm. I remember growing up watching Iron Chef. Oh, nice. The rebooted American version. (laughs) We would like we loved cooking shows. So when we got a little bit older, we would do these things. We still do them to this day where when we have holiday gatherings, we have a cooking competition. Oh, amazing. That's so cool. My parents will front money and we'll have like three categories. (laughs) And mind you, we all played sports. A lot of us played sports in college, mm. so we are competitive. Oh, nice. So because of that, kids have their own category. They cannot pe- compete with the adults. But so um, this past weekend, I got married, and this was yay. kind of, yay. 
It was wonderful. And unfortunately, plans were changed because of COVID. And so our cooking competitions came full circle because we had a small wedding in our backyard here in D.C. And we hired um, Chef Eric Adjabong, who is was a contestant on Top Chef. What? Yes. That's so, so he cool. was on Top Chef season 16 and he was on Top Chef All-Stars. Best meal of my life. Oh, my so God. That is so, awesome. So that's that, one fact. Yeah, that is amazing. First of so all, he's I want to come to your right? family parties. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Um, and second, though, that's, that's an amazing story. And by the way, uh, audience, listeners, we did not force her to be here on her honeymoon. She <laughs> chose this on her will. This is her honeymoon, though. Yeah, Welcome. Right. <laughs> no. no, but is he, he, he cooked Ghanaian food, right? On Top yeah. Chef? Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I love Top Chef, too. I, I haven't participated in any, you know, amateur cooking competitions, but I love watching. So. Nice. Um, yeah, I kind of say that if I wasn't an economist, I would have went to culinary school. Like, I legitimately considered culinary school. Like, sourdough's the new, like, AR, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, did you ever, what was the prize of these competitions? Oh, it, it depends. Sometimes it'd be like, if, really, money didn't matter. Right. It was bragging rights. Okay. It was bragging rights. Did right. you ever win? Yeah, I've won. But to be honest with you, my siblings can cook really well. My brother that's two years older than me is a great cook. My whole family. So sometimes I won, sometimes I didn't. What, what was your, what, what are your winner dishes? So one of my favorite things to make um, is my red velvet cake. Oh, I use mascarpone in the frosting. So it's cream cheese and mascarpone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's a crowd pleaser. I make Amazing. these like shrimp cups. Oh, wow. So you got, it's a full range there. That is that is great. <laughs> yeah. right, I was so, saying to Alex. Oh, wait, I was saying to Alex last week that I was like, or whatever, yesterday that I was like, I I can make a good pizza. And I'm like, you're you're like on that next level. You would lose their family cooking competition. Yeah. All right. So in addition to your cooking prowess that we've now learned about, is there anything research related or any other project that you're interested in sharing with our listeners? Yes. So. Um... I'm currently working on several projects. One is a colleague of Alex's is Alberto with Alberto Ortega, who's at Indiana University. Yeah, go Alberto. <laughs> yeah, and Joaquin Rubacaba, who's at UNC Chapel Hill. And so this project, um, it really started off from just random conversations. We started a writing group. We started working on this at the beginning of the year. And soon these writing group conversations as we are forming our like bylaws and everything turned into, uh-oh, like, how is COVID going to affect America and, and the average American household? And so before we knew it, we started, um, we teamed up with other researchers across the United States and started to take part of a survey, it's a National Panel Study Survey of COVID-19. And it's really designed, it's a multi-wave nationally represented survey to track American households during this pandemic. And so from that, we've been really interested in looking at Black and Hispanic households and understanding whether they face additional social and economic disparities. And so far, this has, um, right now we have a paper with Ed Vargas, who's at Arizona State, which looks at mental health distress Mm. uh, of essential workers across race and ethnicity. And we have a working, we have two working papers with Cassandra Davis, who's at UNC Chapel Hill, which cut across education and stress placed on parents and children as a result of distance learning. Hmm. A lot of this work is descriptive, and it's not our main research agenda. It's not me, Alberto, or Joaquin's main research agenda, 
But we thought it was really important that we help to lay the framework looking forward to a more inclusive economy. Mm, that's amazing. That seems like really good work. And, and is that, I mean, because it's COVID, is that like just taking right now most of your time or how are you trying to balance that? Because I feel like these are the kind of papers that, you know, people are working full time right now, but then you also have your full research agenda as well, you know? Yeah. So I was just, my parents were in town for the wedding. I was just telling them today, like, oof, like 14 hour days for this whole summer, because now I could take a deep breath, but I have other work I'm working with um, too as well. But yeah, the COVID research really has, it really took over our whole summer. Yeah. It's tough when it feel like something has a time limit, but is also important. Mm -hmm. And then you also have this other stuff going on. Like, I I don't know. I don't know. That's really, it must be like spinning plates. It is. Luckily, I have a really supportive partner who doesn't mind if he manages our two boys all day and brings me lunch and snacks throughout the day <laughs> oh. while I'm locked in the bedroom working. As, that's as awesome. Sebastian would say, hashtag the dream. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag the dream. That's awesome. That's that's really great. And 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 please check her out her work. They can go to your website, I'm guessing, or or somewhere else. It's on our website. So most right. of our working papers are on my website, jubaygrooms.com. And there's some papers that are under review and part of the review process if we can't post the working paper. Mm-hmm. But they, we have a abstract up there that will right. kind of explain it. That's awesome. And um, and also, I think you just wrote an a article in the Ashika newsletter. So we'll also put a link on that on the show notes. For today's topic, we we were talking about um, or planning to talk about prioritizing mental and physical health while being in this profession. But uh, before we begin, there are a number of things, sorry, that that a student and a professional, whether you're a, a researcher or a professor, will have to deal with. And so this is obviously like a very broad conversation, and and hopefully our audience can internalize this is like this we're probably going to share from our own experiences maybe share some tips but it's not like our experiences are going to encompass all of the experiences and and you know you should think that if 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 your experience is not similar to ours that that is invalidated in fact it should be validated so just just want to like i think say that at the, at the beginning before we before we begin um, so, so let's start at the beginning. Uh, maybe can you tell us a little bit about your grad school experience? You know, where was it? How long? Et cetera. Sure. So um, I graduated from the University of Florida. How long I was Boo, there? Sorry, I'm a Florida State. So, I'm an <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I married a UGA and all of his family are UGA, oh. University of Georgia fans. They mm-hmm. come over to our house and they are like, why are you wearing a Florida shirt? <laughs> yeah as an ohio no. state fan i thank them for justin fields <laughs> <laughs> this is this is getting like very controversial already okay so i went to university of florida i was there depending on what you count anywhere from four to five and a half years so in my beginning of my fifth year i was pretty much close to done with my job market paper and i got an offer to teach at pomona college back in california I went to a liberal arts for undergrad. I always thought I went to mm. teach at a liberal arts. And so when I mentioned it to my advisor and the chair of our department, they're like, take it. So for my fifth year, I was at Pomona. And then the summer after that, I graduated. And so you graduated while you were at, in Pomona, essentially. So I graduated the summer after I finished that academic year. So the most oh, of the time I was at Pomona College, I didn't, I kind of went over drafts. I was on the job market that year, but I had already had my job market paper done. Gotcha. And and right after that, you did a postdoc right in Seattle. 
Yes, so I did a postdoc at University of Washington in Seattle with Anarban Basul, which was a great experience. I I think one thing that's hard about postdocs is everyone's experience is a little different. Mm. And so I had a great experience. Anarban was awesome. He um, was a great advisor. We had weekly meetings. He kind of taught me how to read a referee report, which was a good skill. And so he taught me a lot of these skills that I didn't learn in grad school that I wish mm-hmm. I would have. But mm-hmm. um, so that was awesome. And he is econometric genius. So that was also lovely. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So and let's let's talk about then your, uh, you know, that that kind of like grad school experience part a little bit more. What if you had to summarize, you know, highs and lows? Was there what you think it was? you know, whatever you thought your peers were going through or was there any difficult challenge that, that you had to face or something like that? <clears throat> so I, when I think about UF, it was interesting. I had great classmates. My cohort was, cohort was awesome. The one before me was awesome. My, the faculty, my advisor, the chair, our graduate chair, they were all really supportive. I can't mm-hmm. speak to everyone's experience because I don't think everyone had the same experience as me. Mm-hmm. But, I really was grateful for the advisor I had. John Hamilton was my advisor. Mm-hmm. He was always available, whether we're talking about academically or personal issues came up. Mm-hmm. And they were really supportive. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> um, it was hard. Um, and I, when you read things about diversity, you see this. I think the most difficult moment in grad school or a difficult, most difficult time in grad school was lack of diversity in the mm-hmm. faculty. Mm. We had some diversity in our classmates, but we had one woman, Sarah Hammersma, who I adore and who's at Syracuse. Mm. Um, but she left, I think, the beginning of my third year or end of my second year. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the faculty. That was the only female faculty member. And, wow. um, you know, and she's not black. She's not Hispanic. But just having a female faculty member there, it it was like as if, and I don't think this was just me. I think most of my cohort would say that they, if, you know, they really appreciated her as a faculty member, right. her advice, her support, and mm-hmm. kind of how she gave direct advice, but in a very gentle mm-hmm. um, way. Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoyed my department, but it wasn't diverse at all, not the mm-hmm. faculty members. And I think that that affected me in a way that getting that diversity of thought in the research that was being done. Mm, we had mm. some development re- development researchers, and that was probably the mm. most diverse research that was being done in our department. Mm-hmm. Great faculty. I loved my faculty. I loved the University of Florida. I loved the, those that came before me and after, um, right? We have Hopestra. We had a lot of different people that graduated from Florida that still kind of reached back and mentored, and that was awesome. So how do you think, like, those experiences in Florida and those experiences sort of um, – learning to be in a different environment? Like, did they have a direct effect on your mental health that you realized at the time? Or, or I, I guess what I'm asking with is, um, how can we use these experiences to sort of inform uh, like tips and things for other people who are currently either students or, or entering as new faculty in different places? So I think there are networks out there and there are I figured this out eventually. So I think it was in my second or third year and our graduate advisor in our department said, Hey, there was this, um, grad school. There's this grad school event at an AEA 
pipeline program. And the AA pipeline program is for underrepresented minorities within grad school. And it's a mentoring program. He was like, will you go recruit for our department? Mm. I'm like, sure, but I think this is something I'm supposed to be in. Right. So I went and I became part of it. And then I like tapped Alberto. I'm like, hey, Alberto. Hey, right. you know, mentoring program, let's get in it. Mm. And then I tapped any other minorities that were in our department and was like, hey, you guys need to become part of this. And I think given the research I was interested in, I think that really changed things for me. Wow. And it gave me not only different individuals that were a support system, but it also started to help me understand that when I'm struggling in grad school, there are certain sessions within a conference that I can go to that may be more um, supportive, right? You can go to CSWEP events. And these were events I didn't even consider, right? There's, you know, the NEA National Economics Association. There's um, American Society of Hispanic Economists, right? There's all these different organizations that can kind of give you a reprieve from how stressful grad school can be. And so I feel like that was, that really helped me through grad school. And so that's really nice tip to basically say, Hey, there's people outside of your own department, but are in your same profession, right? Who you might share either some characteristic or some interests with uh, to talk with. But I just want to stress, even if you're like, let's say there's not a group of economists, like, Mm -hmm. Uh, that are like you in some way, there are external groups of people, right. Mm -hmm. That you can rely on that are outside of your profession too. Um, And it might not be as um, you know, there might not be like a happy hour at a conference or something where you can just wander in and start meeting people. But um, those resources exist outside of the profession too. Yeah. So, Oh, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, I think that that was one thing I didn't know when I first started grad school that I'm happy. I figured out somehow during grad school is to reach out to people outside of, the UF econ department, right? Whether it may be at APAM or whether it may be within other places of University of Florida or just other organizations. And that really helped me get through the the stressful times. So that was one of like the tips that I was writing down was like, I wrote down like external networks are important. And Mm -hmm. what's interesting to me is uh, from my own experience, the external networks that were valuable to me were still sort of like, I went to Arizona and it was like internal to Arizona. It was grad students in other departments. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they had the ability to like understand sort of my like relative hierarchy, if that makes sense. <laughs> but like they could offer me a slightly broader perspective and some constructive advice. And like, they were good people to vent to. Mm-hmm. Also like it wasn't just the exact same people I was seeing all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Whatever I think- that external network is. I think there's also like what I noticed and, and trying to tie in the things that I'm hearing is, you know, there is there is a set of people who are supportive that are like your non-economist kind of support network and, and they're important to have. At the same time, some people may feel like I want somebody to understand what I'm going through, right? And that's why you need those people who who have gone through maybe some similar process like an econ PhD or, or an economics network and, and trying to find those people that at least you click well with. And Yes, there's a lot of people in this profession that you're not going to click well with for a variety of reasons, um, but there are some that hopefully you will. And and yeah, the, the part of the hard part is to search and and find them. Um, in my experience, uh, I I just had a really nice and surprisingly diverse cohort in Vanderbilt um, for what the eco profession looks like. Although unfortunately. Well, anyways, I'll, I'll stop there. But, uh, uh, but so that was nice. But at the same time, like, I think, you know, as I kept going to conferences and starting uh, figuring out these other networks, like Javé was speaking to, I, I found other, other niches where I felt welcome and I felt uh, that 
you know, kind of validated. So Jose Fernandez was one of my mentors assigned and he's been such a great person just to have. And, and now because of, I mean, in, in addition to the professional advice, I think he just provides like this really wholesome perspective that makes me, you know, every time I, 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 I talk to him, I feel like very good and, and happy about things that are going. Um, so even though, you know, he does, Jose, Jose is great. I love yes, him. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so th- I think that's, we, that, you know, that's, there's a, uh, you know, a, a way to internalize those things. Um, you know, one thing that mm-hmm. also I want to add that was hard, girl, I'm LA, born and bred, everything about me, yoga, smoothies, <laughs> green juice, all of that stuff. Green juice. LA, green. Uh, <laughs> wait, tacos? Tacos too? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, right, Mexican food is my favorite. I, I'm In and out. The, the, <laughs> yeah, in and out, hiking. And so going to University of Florida, I thought, oh, I'm in Florida, Miami. No, I was in Northern Florida. I saw way different. Yes. And so that was a little bit of a rude awakening for me. And so that was a little bit of a hard transition. So external networks outside of Florida also were helpful in that kind of giving me someone else to connect with that because I was not used to what Northern Florida felt like. And it's surprising how much that type of, I don't know if shock's even the right word, but difference in what you're used to can affect all sorts of things in your behavior. Like I remember I had a grad student uh, colleague who was from Bulgaria and he lived like three miles away from campus. Cause he was like, Oh, I'll just take the public transit. I'm like, dude, you're in Tucson. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to be spending, you know, 50 minutes on a bus every day. And then right. like, you know, then he would walk to and from his apartment. And I feel like, you know, that has all sorts of other effects when you like, don't quite understand Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the area that you're around um so these are these are i think great things to like for the day-to-day of, of being a grad student and a professional worker i also want to mention that like sometimes things are gonna potentially take a dark turn on your mental health and and know that there are places where you can go to get a little bit more professional help and so obviously as students you probably have access to a set of therapists that you can go and visit um, sometimes they're actually really full, which was the case in Vanderbilt. Um, so, you know, you may have to wait that for a little bit or see if you can get outside sources. Um, but the one thing I want to, and I think a lot of people know about that, um, obviously A, encourage you to go if, if you feel like you need to go, but B, know that it doesn't have to be like a set of very long and continuous sessions. So I'll share my, my experience. I, um, I, I had a lot of issues in, or not a lot of issues, but in grad school, there was, um, uh, I felt like I needed to go to therapy to learn to how to deal with certain kinds of people that I felt like were, were not necessarily super negative, but like affected me in a negative way every time I had this interaction. And, and, you know, this was with people in grad school. And so I went and in, in a couple of like sessions, the therapist actually, um, Help me with some specific tools on like how to approach those conversations with people. And and long story short, without getting into too much detail, like I'm the kind of person that if you tell me a problem, that like the one thing I'm trying to do is like how to solve your problem, how to solve your problem. Like, but obviously some people and everyone knows this now. I guess I didn't know that before. They don't want your problem to be solved, right? They just want to be heard, and etc. And and I think that the therapist helped me um, understand the tools to navigate those conversations, and that was super helpful for me. So I just want to like. Uh, say that to to encourage people that that um, maybe are like, well, this is not for me because I'm not such an extreme case. It can still be helpful if you're if you have like very poignant things to um, to deal with. Tell my students, my undergraduate, and my graduate students, right now, 
it's not just COVID. It is COVID. It is this national conversation on race. It's a lot. It weighs heavy. My younger sister is at University of Kentucky in grad school, and that's a constant conversation. I like you can't solve the world's problems. You need to make sure that you are taking care of yourself as well. It's it's a lot right now, and I think students take on a lot as well. And so I couldn't agree with you more. Reach out to whatever services are available. I know at here at Howard, they have a whole page dedicated to mm. they have a helpline. And so I constantly in my lectures. In the beginning of school year, I leave a couple of sides in my lecture deck that always have the links, the phone numbers of who they can call. And I encourage my students to send me an email. Let me know if you're struggling or and I will put you in contact with whoever may be able to help you. Right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I think that type of thing helps normalize this idea of like what Sebastian's talking about, that whether it's a friend or a professional, like communicating your feelings and just trying to express them to another person can be extremely helpful. And I know just because he's recommended it before, like Sebastian's read, or at least uh, listened to a podcast of Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other people and yeah. other resources that even if it's not like a professional that you can kind of read to gain perspective on different issues going on. And personally, I find reading those, even though they're like really chintzy, like leadershipy <laughs> type books and those types of podcasts, mm-hmm. like they make me feel good. And they make me think about my project problems in sort of a different way. Um, Alex, what, what about you? What, can you maybe share some experience of some issues that you had and how do you confront them? Yeah. So I'm just in general, like a pretty anxious person. So okay. I, I don't know, like whenever I'm anxiety, like, that's yeah. fun one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I don't know like a way to deal with that necessarily, but I have found like throughout the course of my life that I tend to be less anxious or at least more able to like deal with those feelings and think about things like in a slow sort of careful way when I am not pulling all nighters. And when I'm sort of exercising and taking care of my mental health. And I have like a clear idea of what I'm working on and things are at their worst when I'm like not exercising, when I'm mm. you know, like, Oh my God, I have like three projects due this week and I'm trying to like squeeze it all in. Uh, and it sort of approaches like a manic feeling. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for me, sort of the two things that really help reduce anxiety are making sure that I work out. Um, you know, I'm not like some like crazy athletic person or anything, but just like in grad school for me, just rock climbing regularly, that's was awesome. like really refreshing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. And it, I, that's when I felt sort of my most uh, in control of things is when I was working out regularly. Mm-hmm. And then also just like writing stuff down and having a clear plan. So I know at least today when I'm working on something, I'm not like working on the absolute wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Those two things help me almost that's as much awesome. as anything else. In addition to what you guys already sure. discussed, yeah. which is communicating with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's very important. I think I was... Uh, in preparation for this, you know, reading, reading what some people do and uh, exercising is going to be really important. I think there's evidence that it does help overall, which is with your mental health. And, you know, there's, there's so many ways you can approach it. You can approach it of like things like running, swimming, tennis, you know, just have some sort of physical activity. Even if it's like Nintendo Switch, does that count? Nintendo Switch? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you're walking around while you do it, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. you move it. Um, and, yeah. and I think that's really important. Sorry, Alex, go ahead. Oh, no, it's fine. I, I just like one other thing that I thought of is yeah. I was always planning a trip when I was in grad school. of some oh. kind. And that really helped me. And when I went on these trips, like because I'm an idiot, I would like still bring my computer, but I would never open it. <laughs> and like not opening my computer for like a week felt mm-hmm. amazing. That's when I would nice. Do it, so. Yeah, that's nice. Um, I think the other thing also that I heard is some I mean, this is not for everyone, but some people like recommend getting a pet. I did not get a pet in grad school because I felt like a lot of responsibility, but it seems like that's something that uh, could be helpful. Um, 
And I think that I like the trips one. I, I feel like I did have a lot of trips in grad school that, um, you know, were not as well planned. They were more like, I need to do something else this weekend that is not looking at this data code. And so I was like forceful, you know, on it. Can I add something? You know, I thought it was interesting, Alex, to talk about the anxiety. I, my family may have said I always have been an anxious person, but I didn't realize how anxious I was until I went to grad school. Mm. And then it's the anxiety levels were... You know, the same thing for me, working out, going for walks, hiking really was necessary. And having like a clear plan of how I'm going to attack my research were really the ways I dealt with it. And I think when you're just under such high levels of stress, I think maybe that amplifies your level of anxiety. But one thing I found helpful, um, and it was, it took a while for me to get to this, but I found going to conferences and not presenting and picking out a few sessions I'm going to go to and giving myself a chance to like sleep and relax and just going to a few sessions I think would be really interesting. I found when I felt drained, it really re-energized me. It felt me, mm. it felt like it gave me perspective and reminded mm. me of why I'm getting this PhD. Mm. Mm. I That's love really, that. Yeah. yeah, I like that quite a bit. And I, I had a very similar feeling. Um, so I met, we had talked sort of before the recording. I met uh, one of uh, Gervais' co-authors, uh, Alice Elson. Uh, at a conference where we had this wonderful opportunity to interact with Nobel Prize winners of economics. Mm. And that was like the first conference that I went to where I had like no responsibilities. It wasn't even like a conference. It was like a, they presented to us or something. It was like entertainment in some way, almost with like smart people, but it felt so good to just get this like higher level, like, Oh, this is what economics can be. And this is what you could do with this. And so like any opportunity that you can have to to sort of get out of the weeds, whatever that is, whether it's going for a hike and thinking about a higher level, talking with someone in another department, or like seeing someone present research, like take that because I think we often do get trapped in our own, like mm -hmm. what are real problems, but like seem like bigger problems than maybe they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. This conversation also reminded me of, of like also different sources of anxiety. Like I think some people uh, get a lot of anxiety from like their, the meeting that they're going to have with their advisor and I, I think I did to an extent, but I feel like I got used to it. So like, you know, maybe it wasn't that high to begin with, but like, you know, try to identify, you know, the first of things and then like, okay, how do I address those, those feelings? Like, is there something that I can communicate or is there something that I can do? Um, and, and, and maybe for example, I can see some people maybe thinking like, oh, if I go to conference, I get anxious. Cause I, I see that everyone's working and I'm not, you know, if, if that's going to be a trigger or I don't know if triggers are the right word, but like, I'm going to use it. If that's a trigger for you, like realize that that's the case. I'm, I'm in the same boat as, as usually like, I feel like sometimes I go to conference and I, I don't have any duties. And I really get motivated. I'm like, that's a really cool work. Oh, I could do cool, cool work on this. And I could do it. And I'm like, this is exciting. Like it actually, it, it fuels my research energy in some way. So I, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. And like, I, I'm, by the way, I'm not trying to normalize and I don't think either of you are like, the, like we're not saying it's okay to be anxious just because we all have had those feelings in various mm -hmm. avenues. Like definitely talk to people about that and try to like figure out like what, why is this happening? How can I make it better? But also know that it's not like, I think what a lot of people get is imposter syndrome. Like, oh, oh yeah, amen, everybody. yes. <laughs> right? And I think that drives a lot of the anxiety. Like, oh my gosh, I can't be as good as this person. There's no way. But like everyone else is just another person doing it. And like having that realization is really helpful as well. Um, 
I think imposter syndrome is a really important one. And I feel like I, I had it strong and it's like slowly disappearing, but it definitely comes back. Like I just came back from a seminar where a lot of people were asking really smart questions. And I was like, I do not understand what's going on yet. And like people are like, where ahead? That's like me, my imposter syndrome. I mean, maybe it's also the fact that I don't understand. But the problem is like that, that, you know, it gets in my head, right? Then I'm like, oh crap, like I should be understanding and I'm not understanding. And it gets into my head and I, you know, I try to like get that get that out yeah, but it's tough because like sometimes people just know more than you or they're like smarter <laughs> right so you're like they're trying to separate separate like when is this person just like smarter than me in this topic <laughs> yeah. versus like when are they fronting is nearly yeah. impossible so you know one thing i think that helped you when i my anxiety and um is so my dad has a phd in um aerospace engineering Ooh. so he works on wow. structure he well he's retired now but he works on structural analysis of space shuttles and he's in his late 70s so he's done it for a really long time um but very early on um my dad had a conversation with me maybe year two what would you what were you going to do if you don't get a phd and i think we had this conversation right before qualifiers Mm. and he said i failed my qualifiers the first time but i always knew that i was going to walk he said i think he had to take two he passed one failed the other one so he said before i took my next test i knew i was going to walk away with a master's I can get a lot of great jobs with a master's in aerospace engineering. And he said that I think having this plan, the anxiety that I had. And so, you know, it just made me think probably wasn't the best plan, but I'm like, I can always be a math teacher. I like teaching. I want to be a professor. Always had some backup plan going into qualifiers. And I don't know if it's the best motivation, but it was really helpful in helping me kind of relieve some of this going into my qualifiers. That's really helpful. I, I think that's like, that's a nice, uh, it's nice to be able to hear that sort of beforehand that like it, it, you can be happy with many different outcomes, right? It's not like the only way you can be happy in your life is if you pass this one exam, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's an incorrect sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. So awesome. This is really great. So just to summarize the stuff that we talked about today, we've talked about how external networks are really important, right? Those should contain sort of two different types of things. People that are kind of in your profession, but at external places and people that are external to your profession. Uh, gaining a higher level sort of perspective on things is important. Yeah. Uh, self-care is also important, right? Working mm-hmm. out, uh, talking with other donuts. people. You know, donuts can be important, <laughs> right? Uh, and then not to be afraid to speak to other people, uh, wow. including professionals mm-hmm. about your issues. And mm-hmm. I guess sort of sub in there the whole way, like anxiety and imposter syndrome are real. Yeah. People that try to tell you they aren't, I don't know what, no, what their deal is. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Javay, for a wonderful conversation. Uh, every week, we like to ask our guests to give some type of recommendation of the week. It can be anything at all. Um, do you have a recommendation for us today? I do, but can I give an English plug? Actually, it's really good. These oh. are the students that need to hear this. Okay. Next year, Howard is host to the AEA, American Economics Association Summer Program. We will host it for the next five years. Um, so I was telling... I was telling Sebastian and Alex beforehand, for the last 20 years, one in five underrepresented PhDs in economics have gone through this program. Right? And I'm one of them, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know about the program. I wish I would have. So the goal of the program is to increase the pipeline of underrepresented minority economists. And the application is open now. It will be open until January 31st. This is for undergraduates. You can be, um, I think you can be any level, but mostly geared towards yeah sophomore, junior, and senior undergraduate students. The link will be on, you can look at Howard Economics webpage. We'll put it in the show notes. Personal page. Awesome. 
That's yeah. great. This is a great program. Thank you for that extra recommendation that our listeners will get. <laughs> okay, but I that's have- the important tip of the week. <laughs> yeah, now exactly. we can have the unimportant tip of the week. Okay, this one's important too, though. So this okay. is mine. Um, I when I'm thinking about COVID, I I look up things to share with my students at the beginning of class, and I saw that the CDC has this kind of quote, and it's "Be kind to your mind." And I love it. It's simple, it's short, but it's, it's like, it resonates with me during these trying times, right? Be kind to your mind. Hmm. Interesting. I'm sorry that. that I sold that short beforehand. That is also <laughs> an important tip of the week. <laughs> All right, Sebastian, do you, have a, do you have a tip of the week? Those are tough to follow, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I was going to do one, but I, I like, I'm going to go with the quote, with the quote thing. There is, there is um, a quote that, I don't know, I, don't, I think I sort of created it myself, but maybe somebody planted it. But um, Google it. yeah, of, of trying to uh, these are this is basically two concepts that I think I are now always in my head when people had a lot of discussions um, about, you know, ex policy topic. And the two things that I always hear is like somebody saying perfect is the enemy of good. Right. And the idea of that is that if we want to do some somehow incremental changes, because otherwise the perfection is not that great. But there, and I and I always like knew that idea and it stuck in my head. But then I hear one recently, which is like incremental is the enemy of the fundamental, which it's kind of saying like, yes, we can do all these incremental things, but then we're we're kind of like bypassing the fact that we really need this fundamental change. And 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 I I feel like in some ways those ideas may be in conflict of each other. Um, so the the tip or recommendation is. When you hear perfect is the enemy of good, think of the incremental as the enemy of the fundamental and, and, and try to work your, yourself around it and vice versa. When you hear one, you know, hear the other so you can balance your mind on those things. And I feel like that's been really helpful when I'm hearing people discuss about different arguments. This is how I can tell you're an economist like through and through. Okay. you're like either extreme is no good. The right, right. answer is somewhere <laughs> in between. Right, right. Like there's a has to be equilibrium, balance on the force. Yeah. <laughs> right. Economist or wannabe physicist, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex, what's yours? All right, so like this is like we have very on topic recommendations today, okay. but um, I like I don't know. I've always had a really hard time going to sleep, like even as far back as I can remember. It's just tough, right? Like I don't know if it's anxiety or just turning your brain off is like a is a tough thing. Um, so I have found. Like not, there's like no simple routine of like, you know, it's not like I drink a chamomile tea and then go to bed or whatever. <laughs> but I have found that like, as long as I have blackout blinds up and like a noisemaker going, it's like, I guess noisemaker might be like the real tip. Okay. <laughs> but like listening to Headspace or listening to like something designed to sort of get you to calm down really helps me fall asleep. And I realized that this is the case. I didn't think Headspace was working that well until one time I actually, so I listened to this like thing that's like designed to help you go to bed. And then I always thought that I would listen to it all and then fall asleep sometime after. And then one time when I wasn't trying to go to bed, I played the podcast or whatever it is. And I realized there's more to it that I never remember (laughs) because I'm always falling asleep. So it actually seems to be effective for me. That's awesome. So so check it out. It's a paid for thing, which I don't love recommending, but like it it seems to work. But I think if you have certain whatever carriers, mobile carriers or, or credit cards, you get it a year for free or something like that. Oh, I'm unaware so of just, entirely. Just, yeah. just Google if your credit card carrier offers free headspace because I think I got like a year of head, free headspace. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's great. Hopefully I do. <laughs> the same as headspace, but we have Spotify Unlimited. Spotify rain sounds. So it's rain just sounds. like rain and okay. it works. You know, 
you know the end of the year spotify tells you you're like number one place oh, yeah. <laughs> for like four or five years in a row mine was white noise fan for babies <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome awesome well that was great thank you audience for tuning in today uh just one more time people want to find more about you and your research or about the summer program where should they go they should go to my website jvaygrooms.com j-e-v-a-y-g-r-o-o-m-s dot com excellent or you can find me at jvaygrooms is my handle on twitter amazing thank you so much All right, that's all we have for you today. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you, Jave. See you next time. Thank you guys for having me.